0: Hi and welcome to Pomcast. This is the podcast brought to you by the knitting magazine Pom Pom Quarterly. If you have any queries, questions, if you want to check anything that you've heard on the podcast, you can always find more on the show notes, which is at pompommag dot com forward slash podcast. Here's the podcast.
1: Welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here with Sophie Scott. Hello! Hi,
0: guys! We hope you are well and happy. This is just a small, delicious, bite sized podcast. Mm-hmm. We used to call these uh, short row episodes. I guess this, uh, this is kind of one of those. One of these going to wedge into the audio format of the podcast for your enjoyment. So, at Pom Pom uh, headquarters, very exciting times. We've had lots of new stuff released. Uh, we're actually just about to move studios. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so it might give you a flavour of uh, what's happening uh, at the moment with everything that's going on. Everything's good, first of all. That just means we're bringing you a slightly shorter podcast, but still quality. High, high quality as always. Yeah. <laughs> and in this podcast, of course, we bring you all the up to date news of what's going in on in the POM world. We've got an interview with Nora. We have with Nora Gorn. Nora Gorn. I just said her name as if you know it's one of those. Like, She's like Madonna. Chair, Sting, Madonna. <laughs> you know, just just one word. Nora. Um, so Nora Gorn, our guest editor of issue twenty-seven. We've got a chat that we recorded with her. Ryan Beck.
1: Yeah, which is very exciting. All the buzz of the sheep fair.
0: Yeah, sounds. Uh, it seems so long ago, uh, but uh, more recently, I guess. Uh, what even though. Doesn't feel that recent. We've uh, had release of another pom pom press book, which is Knits About
1: Winter. We have indeed. And if you've listened to this podcast at all or glanced at our social media feeds in, in all their areas <laughs> that oh. they are, <laughs> oh. all <their> social <laughs> um, <areas>. yeah, <laughs> um, you'll have seen that Knits About Winter is a book by Emily Foden, who is the dyer. Uh, behind Viola Yarns. So um, it's a book that we shot in Canada in February in the snow, which is now very seasonally appropriate since mm-hmm. we're moving into snow season, mm-hmm. also known as winter. And you can hear our chat with Emily in the last podcast.
0: Uh, we talked more about projects and uh, stories behind the book. If you fancy a copy, you can get them in your local yarn shop now. We also have them on our website, as you would expect, which is pompommag.com. And Emily's doing some teaching, and if you are living in the land of Canada, Maple Syrup Land, yeah, you might be lucky enough to grab a place on one of these classes. Very nearly sold out. First of all, in Toronto, the 7th and the 9th of December, Emily is teaching uh, Discovering a Knitted Palette.
1: Yeah, so like, definitely go check that out if you're in Toronto. I can uh, say that I had a little sneak preview of the Discover Your Knitted Palette class, and I visited Emily after Rhinebeck and I got a lot out of it. So um, I can highly recommend hanging out with Emily and talking about colours and cool. learning lots of things.
0: Uh, book that via Emily's website. And then uh, next year, it seems silly to uh, <laughs> say that, but next year and the 4th to the 6th of January, uh, Emily will be in Montreal and you can book your tickets via the Maison Tricoté website.
1: Indeed. And then later, Emily will be in Hamilton and you can book via hand knit yarn
0: yes uh, we'll have more information about those classes on the show notes of course you can always check and find out more about anything we talk about in this podcast on the pom-pom website uh so yeah lucky you if you're uh, over there you get to hang out with this talented and creative and very charming dyer and uh, find out a bit, of, a bit more about the magic that she makes maybe make some magic of your own
1: we're very excited to see Uh, all the wonderful palettes that you guys come up with, Mm. because we're hoping that some of them might be shared, for example, on social media. Indeed. Second plug (laughs) for social media in general in this podcast.
0: So that's one thing, I guess, of many that's uh, been released into the knitting world. Also, we're very excited uh, that Knit How, Beginners Knitting book. This has been a long time uh, in the works, Mm -hmm. and now we're ready to bring more knitters into the world.
1: We are, so if you haven't seen Knit How is, as Sophie said, a beginner's knitting book, so it takes you from making first stitches to making first projects, um, and we think it do, does a good job of, yeah. you know, guiding people down cool. the knitting path, and it's very colourful.
0: <laughs> it's what you say, the pom-pom style, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so many of the poms have taught so many beginner knitters, so it's really, there's a lot of There's a lot of heart, there's a lot of stitches, you know. I'm really excited to bring this to you and maybe there's someone in your life that's always been like oh can you show me how to knit you're not sure where to start this is the book to guide them through uh maybe you're just a knitter as well who's like well i just want to brush up on some skills maybe you're still kind of going through this uh you haven't progressed from a square and that's fine yeah. this uh this book sort of organized sequentially so you can build up all your skills and then make fantastic uh, garments
1: Indeedy. So we hope that you check that out. And yeah, like Sophie said, maybe find a uh, a knitting, a potential knitter in your life to uh, to gift this book to. And speaking of gifts. Oh, yeah. We're on the gift tricks. So we're very excited. You know, we've got our Secret Santa
0: organised at Home HQ. And uh, maybe you're looking for something. For a nitty friend, we have Christmas gift sets. They don't have to be Christmas, it's knitmas. You know, any gifty sets, things that you want. So we've got one uh, for Knit Howe, which comes with a really cool gauge square ruler, which is made for us by Katrinkles. Uh, so you can never have any gauge mish- mishaps again. Like gauge <laughs> swatch uh, ruler, mean, everything's solved.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm And we also have our Knits About Winter gift set, which comes with a beautiful set of uh, Christmas cards. Um, designed by Emily herself So not only will the recipient get A beautiful book But they will be able to Maybe they would even frame the cards I don't Ooh, know, they're maybe. so lovely that
0: is nice. And uh, we have our classic subscription set Someone that you know Who wants to receive pom-pom the whole year round I mean, why wouldn't they? Um, we have a subscription set And that comes with a really cool enamel pin Which has been designed for us by Shelley oh, She's called Shelley Her brand is Shelley Can So that's pretty cool <laughs> And that's the Queen of Wands pin that's inspired by issue twenty-seven. You can see her illustration in issue twenty-seven. It's a very cool, kind of uh, needles. Oh, you're yeah, wearing it right now. I'm wearing
1: my my Queen of Wands. I haven't taken it off. I put it on for Ryan Beck, I haven't and taken it off. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like a kind of tarot card. Yeah, um, and it's beautiful, kind of burgundy colours. That's the review you want.
0: I haven't taken it off. <laughs> <laughs> and Shelley also designed a. Um issue twenty six themed pins, we've got the Artemis themed pin, which is like a ball of wool, which is like the moon, but it's also like a bow and arrow it's like Diana, goddess of the moon, and Hunt. Oh, it's great. So, uh, you know, if you haven't happened to wander into the area of the online shop where you find gifts, how
1: delightful. <laughs> Enjoy them. Okay, so I guess that's probably all of our our news round. News um. round.
0: <laughs> very, very uh Quick fire news round but uh if you miss anything of course check the website and we'll be back in december for a more uh oh gosh it is december <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> later in december later in december Oof. for a more uh a more chatted more uh traditional podcast and we're very pleased that we're joined by eli
1: that's right so i don't know if you remember that eli block used to uh well edit and produce this podcast and then he got a real job making real <laughs> podcasts <laughs> um but and well he also had a baby mm-hmm. he if you came to pomfest or listened to the pomfest uh the uh, pomcast live recording from pomfest you'll have heard his voice he was the uh, master of ceremony yeah for that he also has read um knitting horror stories for us in the past um he's an all-round excellent person He has a great radio voice, just as an aside. We thought we'd bring him back to have a special Christmas episode or Nitmus episode, more specifically. And we thought we could ask him a few questions and perhaps he could ask us a few questions. But, guys, we need your help. Yeah, what if you have questions?
0: You know, you've been listening, maybe you've been listening to this podcast for a while. You've always wondered something. Maybe you've just listened to this podcast and thought, what's this about? So, you can send us some questions. You can do that via the Ravelry forum um where you'll find pom pom we have an email address which is podcast at pompommag.com so get in touch if you've ever had any burning queries uh just how is eli so cool maybe that's one of them we'll be asking that and uh how does he do his query tunes yeah what's it like making a knitting podcast when you know nothing about knitting i don't know that could be one of the questions (laughs) that we ask him uh how much does he know about knitting now (laughs) uh and likewise maybe you've had a query about. A query about me and Lydia. What is Lydia? (laughs) How tall is Lydia? So yeah, we'd really love to hear from you guys uh, because we know all about you. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) it would be terrible if you didn't like one of those uh, couples quizzes. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not do it like that. Uh, you can ask us questions. Um and of course if you have any other ideas or feedback for the podcast, those also welcome. But questions first.
0: Yes. Um so that leads us to our interview with Nora. I mean, I really want to say she's one of those people that needs no introduction.
1: She kind of doesn't need an introduction, but let's do a quick one just in case. <laughs> Nora Gorn um is a very well known knitting designer a knitwear designer who is known for her cables yes her um intricate use of and deep understanding of cables um you might have seen her cable source book you might have seen her work with barocco
0: you might have seen her work with pom pom in issue 27 (laughs) am i right (laughs) so of course nora talks a lot more about working on that issue uh winter issue issue 27 and working with designers Mm -hmm. or process Uh, She's very sharp and she's very entertaining to chat to. So I really enjoyed um, being able to talk to Nora. And I felt very gratified that I could share with her my Nora knitting joke.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you needed extra reasons to listen right to the end of the interview, that's the the cherry on top for sure. (laughs) And you'll also hear some uh, hubbub. In the background, as in- we recorded in Rhinebeck in a large barn. Indeed, so apologies, we've done our
0: best uh, technical wizardry to make this uh, a little clearer. Mm-hmm. You just get a good ambience of Rhinebeck, uh, how busy and fun it is, and also a little bit of microphone wine, which of course that sounds delicious, um, so <laughs> it's just a of the <laughs> of the microphone, uh, just because of the setup and the space that we have, but uh the brilliance and entertaining nature of Nora Shines story that you guys won't even notice but we just wanted to do a little courtesy mm-hmm. noise uh...
1: presence presence
0: yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just wanted to do a little noise presence warning you know perhaps if you're going to listen to the podcast in a noisy location you might want to wait for a less noisy one right. that is all
0: but uh yes we're very happy to bring you this chat with Nora and we really look forward to bringing you a podcast uh, for your Christmas enjoyment at the end of December mm-hmm. Bye! Bye. this live version of podcast from Rhinebeck 2018. Um, thanks for joining us. I'm Sophie and as always joined by Lydia. Lydia. <laughs> if you haven't heard of the podcast, which I guess some of you have, you're going to hear about a lot of it right now. And the magazine from Home Quarterly, which of course we're very happy that Nora was our guest editor for issue 27. Hello Nora, I'm going to hand you the mic. <laughs> take, take the mic. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> We have to make sure that people understand what your voice is like. That's a yeah, magic thing. Okay. <laughs> so as we said, issue 27, which has just come out, and we're so excited about, uh, you are our guest editor. Um, I think we've got to start with you introducing the theme and the concept of this issue. Uh, people, obviously, it's brand new. People might have seen it already. So, yeah, just start with the story of issue 27, please.
2: Okay. So the I decided that I wanted the theme for issue 27 to be tough victoria so you know all the historic dramas we're watching now like like victoria um i wanted to pay homage to that but to you know have her be strong and powerful and get to be kind of romantic and again strong at the same time um kind of steampunk but again
0: not costumey that was the the starting idea and of course your design the front cover uh Brace's issue 27. Um, How does that tell us? Tell us about those design. Like take a picture of those uh, those cables and how that fits in with this tough Victoriana theme.
2: So um, some of these references are kind of obscure. Like this one, I think I was looking more at the Sullivan buildings from um, Chicago, which does not really the right era for Victoria. Or, or is it closer than I think? I think it's a little bit after. But those same shapes, they're, they're kind of romantic. It's a little more art deco. But somehow the, the cable that I made up after looking at those buildings and pictures of those buildings, kind of ends up looking a little bit like armor, um, soft armor. <laughs> and I really wanted to go for the puffy sleeve. And you know, some people are like, no, I can't do the puffy sleeve. But I think that is really important to this design. And it um, goes a little off the shoulder. And it's not super sweet. But I think that you have to take a chance sometime. Like, there are going to be some people who don't like it. But in order for it to really resonate as true, you have to go for a strong detail like that.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's nice to hear you say that sometimes you just have to kind of go with something that might be, I mean, divisive is a strong word. But, but you know, some people will really love, and some people really, will really hate, um, and stay true to kind of what your vision is. And I guess people could change it if they want to. But it sure. it's really is part of, part of the look. Um, So for this issue, you chose various designers that you thought would work and that you wanted to work with. And obviously all of them we were very excited to work with. Some of them we'd worked with before and some of them not so much. But I wanted to ask you a a little bit about a few of them. I mean, we could talk about all of them, but that would probably take a bit too long. But I know that the design that Cyrillia did, I think, had a little bit of a story behind it, because you worked with Cerillia before. I think we've got the sample there, so I can pick it up whilst... um, Oh yeah, it's under there. <laughs> that. And, and it was called Nemu. Nemu, and um, it's <laughs> it's a kind of lovely drapey piece. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to ask you because obviously everybody interpreted your theme in a slightly different way. Um, so I just wanted to ask you to kind of talk about the way in which Sorelia did this and the kind of backstory and you know that you guys used to work together all those
2: <laughs> so cerulea and i worked together for i'm not sure how long like four years but really closely together as a design team and when we did photography she was the one who picked like the, the styling all that the clothes to go with it and so we really were a strong team and and we know each other pretty well and um there was something that she did um that's on her Ravelry page and I'm sorry I don't remember the name of it that I really loved and I thought that that shape would be great for this issue and so I kind of pushed her to um to interpret that in a new way and make it a little bit warrior like I think she's thinking Norse warrior but I can't remember entirely and I really love what she did with it just that little bit of cabling. And, and the special details like on the sleeves, the shape that anybody can wear, but still takes a point of view, definitely takes a point of view. Um, and so I was really happy. I, I think she's very happy with it too, but I, I thought she knocked it out of the park and I told her so. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, any, I know we said we could talk about all the designs here uh, all day, <laughs> but any other sort of standout or uh, little hits from the collection that you'd like to talk about? So.
2: That question is really hard for me because I like a lot of... I like all of them, actually, in different ways. Um, And I I don't want to... like, like Zandy's I really love like some of the people that I asked for this collection I already knew some like Zandy I knew some and really I knew really well and some people were people that I admired like I'd never met Caitlin Hunter but I really wanted her to be part of it um, and I love hers I love again the puffy sleeves which, yeah. <laughs> um, but interpreted in a different way Yeah, it's hard for me like to <laughs> to, to um, special bring somebody out special because each one of them I could say something very nice about Right?
0: okay let me phrase the question differently okay. any any surprises because you've set this theme and you know you're letting people interpret this uh, this brief that you've put forward
2: there I don't think there there were nice surprises but no like here And of course, um, Lydia and Megan and I went through all of the submissions and we chose which ones. And at that point, there's not really a surprise because we knew which ones we chose. But I love the, how do you, I'm forgetting how to say her name. Is it Bodicea? And I don't even remember what country she's from, but it has great big sleeves with with bobbly things on the bottom. And I really love that one. And it's, it's a, Overblown sort of thing, but I think if you can pull
0: it off, it's amazing. It's definitely the statement pieces in this this issue, which of course we love. Yeah. All right, so let's bring it to where we are right now to ride back. How has the weekend been for you? What's your any good stories or any uh, sightings? Well,
2: the the major sightings were like every Caitlyn Hunter sweater, (laughs) just amazing everywhere, Um, and. I know I loved like bouncing back and forth, signing everything. Although my head's a little fuzzy from <laughs> from doing that, and I probably gotten a big head too because people have said loads of very nice things. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> and um, there were there were good sightings of other things. Oh, I know this is the most exciting thing for me. If anybody knows my stag head sweater that was from Making Magazine, so there were nine people here with stag head sweaters on yesterday. And they all took a picture together and it's on Instagram. It's just amazing. I have to repost it soon, but it was amazing to see that in like nine different colors.
0: That's pretty magic. Have they known each other and planned that then? Yeah, I think so. That was a plan. That's yeah. pretty cool, yeah. Well, speaking of sweaters, um, you were wearing a ra- your own Rhinebeck sweater yesterday, and now you're wearing like a Rhinebeck scarf. So right. tell us about your project that you've will- your projects that you've worn this weekend.
2: So the secret there is I think that a Rhinebeck sweater is something that you made for Rhinebeck, and that was not possible. So yesterday I was wearing a sweater that I made for myself as a second sample from my... Um, knitted cable source book. So it's called the Top Down Pullover, and I put completely different cables in the front. There are only cables down the front. So it was made in Jill Draper's um, Empire. I took the entire huge skein to make it. Um, And that one um, I made with a big turtleneck for myself. And today I'm wearing something from um, the Wool Studio booklet that came out uh, sometime this spring it came out. So there's digital and there's a book of it. And it's a scarf that can be like actually pretty avant-garde if you let it down. It's like a scarf in the front and then a neck and then a back. But I like it all wrapped around my shoulders like this.
0: Scarf in the front, business
1: at the back, yeah, yeah. something
2: like that. <laughs> well, it's business and business. Yeah.
1: So obviously, we collaborated with you on this issue, and like we really enjoyed it. We love um, the process of bringing like a fresh set of eyes to the magazine and being able to kind of put two different um, kind of styles together, I guess. Yeah. And I can, I, I feel like you do a fair amount of collaborating in your in your work. Seems like you, or maybe not, you're making a face like you're not no, so no, sure. No, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, but so I was just gonna, I mean, you could just talk about working with us, but I think the process of collaboration is quite an interesting one. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it and what you feel it brings to. Uh, to your process
2: so when I think about it I think most of my work is collaboration in a way so even when I was the design director at Broco or the design director at Reynolds it wasn't just me it wasn't me um, one sweater and a picture it was me and a team so a team of tech people and a photographer and people to style and it was it's In order for that to work at all, I have to be really flexible and excited about what other people bring to it. So, like my book, Knitting Nature, the photographer and the stylist that did that, they made it twice as good as I even imagined it could be. And that's what I think a really good collaboration is. And I really feel, I'm not just saying it because you guys are here, but that's what the collaboration with Pom Pom felt like. Like, I had an idea, and they're like, well, let's do this with it and then especially at the end with the photography that's the top of it all like I could never have picture never thought of using that photographer who is really special specializing in um, florals but I love how that definitely meshed with my original thought process it just brought it higher and it's one of those like one plus one equals three kinds of things but but also with every one of the designers did that too like I send the theme out there with some pictures and some words that are supposed to get the idea across and then they come back with this thing that maybe I hadn't thought of but I think is great and everything's additive from there but especially ending with that amazing photography and the model is amazing and I think she does look like an elf
1: from (laughs) In a really the best way. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about kind of your process, the way that you work is whether you ever get um, the knitters equivalent of writer's block. We'll call it knitter's block. <laughs> and if so, um, do you have any kind of techniques or go-to ways of uh, removing the block?
2: Most of the time, I don't get a block because of my process. Um, I have a tendency to combine two, two different things. So I save all sorts of inspirations in Pinterest. Like Pinterest is definitely my friend. And, and years ago, it used to be like magazine pages. But now you can find like all this amazing stuff from all over the world and you don't even leave, you know, your chair. Um, so I keep files of things that interest me, and then there's always something else going on, like maybe I'm interested in pentagons that week or that year um, or cables, and those two things kind of combine so that the inspiration things spark something. Maybe it's a certain kind of sleeve or pattern or, you know, I try very hard not to copy it, but it sparks something. It changes. By the time I'm working on the, the swatches and everything, something changes anyway. So I think you shouldn't be afraid of starting with something as long as you're not copying it verbatim. And a lot of times what I'm looking at isn't even a niche thing. It's some sort of fashion thing. So just having that starting point helps get over the block but still, every once in a while, there's just a certain level of depression that it's just like, this doesn't feel right, or you know, I don't feel like doing it. And that's the harder kind of block to get over. But um, actually, I would say that deadlines are the way that <laughs> deadlines are my friend. They're probably everybody's friend. But I would get a lot less done. And it's probably why, since I left Morocco, I I've only done a few things totally independently, i when somebody asks me to do something like the pom pom or um, the knits the wool studio that I did, like that deadline really propels me to get a lot more done than I would have gotten done on my own. And we
0: always like the question, what's on your needles right now? Sort of like your own do you have time for your own <laughs> personal knitting or what do you sort of settle down with? So um, I
2: I haven't been able to knit much for myself because I keep taking on like one of the one or two or more of the pieces from whatever bigger project I'm working on. So like right now I've started something for Vogue Knitting um, for a future issue and that's what I'm knitting on now. And then I I really wanted to bring a, a project here that was something for me and it turned out that all the yarn that I have because I keep buying it everywhere I go to a festival or I'm teaching somewhere I'll buy yarn. And I keep buying not quite enough. So I had like 1,500 yards of this beautiful thing. And anything I wanted to make was like 2,000 or 2,400 yards. I was like, shoot. So I ended up just working on my work project. But maybe now, like I'll be free after this and I can go get yarn.
0: can say if only you were in a location where you could, like, get a jumper's worth or something yeah
1: right. <laughs> I'd be interested to ask you actually because you know you mentioned that you used to uh, be d- the design director at Broco well, I think probably everybody knows that but you did you used to <laughs> um, work at Broco and before that Reynolds um, and I wanted to ask how you've seen the knitting industry change and what you think about the kind of Ravelry and post Ravelry era and how it's kind of just yeah like transformed or maybe it hasn't transformed the knitting world (laughs) so i think the knitting world has definitely transformed
2: and maybe i'm just a ridiculous optimist but for me it's transformed in really good ways so for much of my career, like I sold a sweater, one-time fee, that was it, it belonged to whatever yarn company or magazine um, was publishing it, and then I just had to move on, and I was doing like 60-plus sweaters a year freelance, so before I had my job at, at Reynolds. And then um, from my point of view, like being a design director at these companies, those are. That's a good gig, and there's a team around the design director, you know, a tech person, and other people to design. Like at Broco, there'd be like four of us designing one sweater, which does work sometimes. <laughs> so if something was more, I felt was like the highest percentage was mine. I put my name on it, and the same with the other people on the team. But the big change, and I always hoped for this when I was younger, is that it's so much easier to find your market. My I have had to be pretty broad in my career and I designed a bunch of different things, a bunch of different styles, and you can see that I'm sort of settling in, you know, a lot of people can recognize My style, but even if you're really like have this obscure taste, you can find your customer, and your customer can find you so much more easily than ever before. And of course, that's true for like every industry. But I, I think it's really great in the knitting industry, and um, and we have this way, this really easy way, thanks to Ravelry, to market it and have all, without having to know all the tax rules in Europe and Australia and whatever. Like, it's just amazing and the fact that like everybody knows who i am like that's because of ravelry like people knew who i was years ago it's not the same thing it's like really a blown up thing and and i really see mostly positives like i know that yarn shops struggle but the very best ones who have people coming in they make a great destination um, Every, you know, it's like a party or great classes or those yarn shops are still doing really well. So, for me, this model is much more designer centric than ever, and designers are actually being treated much better than ever. Um, and I'm really happy about that. I'm
0: interested. You said like you've been, you know, sort of looking for this change. What would be, I don't know. What do I want to ask? Sort of like the future of these trends or like the knitting or what would you like to see you know Uh,
2: I think the answer is I have no idea (laughs) I think I'm one of those people who never has a grand plan and I think if I had had a grand plan maybe I I wouldn't have ended up where I am because I've just, one thing has led to the other, but I didn't know it was going to happen. And I kind of feel the same way about this, like what's going to happen next in our industry. Like I hope that designers are still, continue to be treated well and that customers, like right now it seems like most knitters are very, very respectful and I love that loyalty. It's really great. And I think it's going to continue, but I can't see into the
1: future either. (laughs)
0: no predictions just yet in the crystal ball but, you know, or a wooden
1: ball who knows okay well we were going to see if anyone else had any questions that they wanted to ask Nora and if not oh <laughs> was that a hand up oh wait hang on just for the for okay. the microphone the um question was are you preparing another book all right so I I can't
2: really say but let's say I have a proposal in that's all I can say. <laughs> so maybe it'll happen, maybe not. It's a big uh, chunk of time, obviously, when you do a book. Um, and I'm kind of having fun doing other things. But but maybe it will happen. <laughs> How's that? got
0: <laughs> yeah, that crystal ball out again. yeah. yeah, yeah. that was the mention of deadlines, and what's uh, Norris' time frame from start
2: to finish? Okay, so um, this kind of, I can go back to the past on this, like, through a lot of my career, I was used to doing something, I can turn something over in six weeks, a month, I can do something in two weeks if need be, for, like, editorial, for, um, my normal time frame is probably a couple of months. But like this pom pom, I think we started a year ago talking about it. Uh, so this is a bigger thing to get the whole issue together. Um, but because of how I've worked for a lot of other years, I'm I
0: can be pretty fat. So the, so the query, I suppose, is uh, starting points and drawing and uh, how you sort of create a design. That's a good question. <laughs> So
2: you're right when you said you were sure there were different starting points. So my favorite way to start is with the fabric. Like, say I've developed a new cable, and I I find a nice fabric for it or a nice yarn. Um, And then I go to the silhouette. But of course there are times when it's the opposite. Um, So there are times when I've sketched the thing out first, and then I have to figure out, like, what yarn is gonna be good for this. And I have to admit that I did I do like the parameters that are set when you're working for one company. Like if someone asks me um, to do something in their yarn, then I kind of like that goal of what can I do with that yarn, as opposed to all the yarns in the world. <laughs> Pick the most fabulous one and it's pretty overwhelming so I actually having some parameters is is a really good thing for me but um, when I work for a yarn company it's about the yarn and selling the yarn so um, it started with it starts with that and I think in that case I'd be more likely to draw a sketch first and then figure out what to do with it but now that I'm independent it's more likely to be the fabric first yeah
0: do you have any go-to sort of what would you say is your go-to wools and fibers then that you like to design with?
2: So are we talking companies or... (laughs) All right, so smooth wool is my obvious (laughs) answer (laughs) because cables look amazing in round, smooth wool, and I like textures. Um, I like to put textures in the fabric rather than having the yarn itself be the texture um, just because those are the kinds of things that I've really been working with most, like especially cables. so all the i love all the colorful yarns that are people are working with now like um. That scarf of Andrew Maury's is amazing, and, uh, but that's not where my mind works. Like, I'm starting with a plain color, smooth wool, and that wool is getting smaller. Along with everybody else here, um, it's really great to wear a lighter weight wool. And it's taken me a long time to transition smaller because for so many years, like, what the yarn shop wants is five to the inch. <laughs> four and a half, five to the inch, and um, now it's transitioning smaller, which is wonderful, but it's kind of taken me a time to get a little
1: smaller. (laughs) I think I didn't know that about the yarn shops that it used to be, that people sort of tended to go for the thicker yarns. And yeah, I can, I can sort of that. see why, you know, like knitting something faster is yeah. <laughs> can be really nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just mentioned, of course, uh, cables and the fact that you aim for yarns that are going to work specifically for cables, which makes a lot of sense. And I'm not sure necessarily how you'd answer this, but you are known for cables. And I wondered if you um, wanted to talk a bit about, like, I don't know if you were always drawn to cables from the get-go, or if it's something that kind of you grew into and you've just, um, I mean, obviously there's so many places you can go with them that why would you switch to anything else? But I guess I just wanted to hear a bit about your thoughts on cables.
0: (laughs) Cables. Discuss.
2: Amongst ourselves. (laughs) Anyway, so I think when I was first knitting, I was drawn to cables because I loved that, we'll just wait until we get the next cable row. What is that going to look like? And it just kept me going. So if you're doing stockinette and you're just going on and on and on, it doesn't keep you going as much, but just to see what that next cable did, I think that really got me hooked. And then when I was in my 20s and early 30s, I was at a point where I was making up a lot of cables and selling swatches of them, like practically front-size pieces of cables, to I had an agent who took them around to 7th Avenue. So it could be The Gap, it could be Donna Karen, they're all the levels in between. He had a big case of mine and other people's. And then I really went crazy. And a lot of the things in my native Cable source book come out of that period. I like sort of saving my favorite ones and the thought process that I learned during that. Um, later, you know, I used throughout my career but became the cable source book. But it felt like there was a time in between where um, cables weren't as popular and... People were a little more afraid of that. It's hard to imagine now because everybody's really doing loads of cables. But there, like when I was at Reynolds, it all seemed like a little complicated, and not everything I did was cables. Um, and but I was really excited when this new, <laughs> new fashion for cables. I mean, you see it on runways, and then we see it here amongst us. And I, it was really good for me that that came back again.
0: Maybe you brought it back, you know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my final question is, uh, would you like to hear a joke? Of course I'd like to <laughs> hear a joke. So I've made a, a, a joke for this issue for you. Uh, have you heard about the jumper, the cable jumper that takes a minute to knit? So Nora go on in sixty seconds <laughs> Very good. <laughs> waiting all weekend for that (laughs) alright well we say a big thank you to Nora for joining us, we say thank you to you guys for coming along to this talk, thank you to Marit as well, and Tales of thank you thank you thank you is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with help from Eli Block who created the original music for this show for more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com
1: Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly and thanks also to the whole Pom Pom team You know who you are Thanks to Nora Gorn and thanks to all you listeners, buyers and subscribers of Pom Pom You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop pompommag.com forward slash shop If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why
0: not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas or questions for the next episode to podcast at pompommag.com. Don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum.